Hey y'all, it's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say, uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I've launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. Um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro-RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just, you know, go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast, subscribe, uh, follow, leave a review if you can. Um, those things really help gain visibility for the show, and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much, and back to the episode. Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. As promised in session zero, I am bringing on my best friend, and we are going to discuss character creation. So character creation in tabletop role-playing games has a lot to do with building that character as you're getting ready to play the game, whether that's going through D&D Beyond, for instance, to go through a D&D game, uh, rolling up a classic pen and paper character sheet. In this case, we're talking about character creation as to how we got here to being adult nerds who love this medium. So, Miguel, if you want to introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, I'm Miguel. I've uh, known Navarre for a very long time. And just, uh, I would believe I'd be considered a new player still, even though I've been playing for a couple of years. Um, haven't gotten terribly far into it. Uh, my character creation, I don't think I'm all that great at, but I do have a ton of ideas whenever I'm making a character. So I'm excited to get into this with you. Heck yeah. So I think where we can start is just kind of go into what has sort of brought us both here. So I know for myself, and while both of us, we really grew up in a very rural area, um, I mean, I know you, I kind of know your background when it comes to the comic book stuff, but like, do you, did you ever have access to comics or did a lot of your information come from internet or TV or was it just watching the animated shows? Uh, so when I was growing up, there was a ton of media available to me, but it was always something different every time. So whenever internet was getting big, I would always go grab those AOL discs and try to get as many hours as I could and keep as much free internet as I could using like all the demos. Yeah. All the demos that I could uh, go into like Walmart and get like a stack and see how many we could get. But kids have no um, idea these days. <laughs> comics aren't, uh, we're never really all that big. I could never take care of anything physical, anything I had digitally. I would have more. Yeah. yeah more like I could make CDs and even trash them if, that's basically where it went is into the trash because they'd get so scratched. Couldn't be played in any sort of players. Uh, I would always be like first in technology, but I mean, did you, so you didn't really have the physical comic books, but I guess you, from an early age, you always knew like video games, you know, playing fallout and shit like that. Like that was your jam early Diablo. For sure. Uh, that was probably, one of the big games that I got into and started getting my friends into, but yeah, I, I played sports. I was always a, a, I guess like a hidden nerd. People wouldn't really expect it from me because I was always heavy into like stats on sports and like learning whatever I could. 
And then uh, video games became like my culture, starting with like Nintendo and then moving on to Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis. Uh, I never got a Dreamcast or any of the other Segas after that. So I was always kind of sad. And I played my cousin's Game Gear. But yeah, uh, not much tabletop RPG experience growing up. But there was a game called RPG Maker that me and my cousin would play and try to make our own games and just a bunch of dumb stuff. Was that like you make your own tabletop RPG game? No, you made your own uh, video game. Oh, that's like uh, Super Nintendo 8-bit kind of stuff. And just like build a dungeon. Yeah, or try to make your own story in it, which was cool. I guess that's kind of where my first RPG experience really came from. And I didn't even think about that until just now. But I'm like, oh, yeah, tabletop RPG versus... You just reminded me, I can't... So we had an old school, like early Mac. And there was a game on there. And I don't know if it was actually called Dungeons and Dragons, but it was essentially now thinking about it. It was like you had this tiny little almost like a stick figure type drawing like you knew what it was you could say okay yeah that's a wizard or that's a fighter and you'd walk around and then shit would just randomly pop up it was all random encounters and you would it would roll a die and then it would tell you like whether or not you hit and it was impossible like i especially you i was so young i had no idea what i was doing and just kind of like roll and click and hope you fucking kill it but i never connected that until we started talking about all these old school games yeah there was even one like uh i would go because i remember this specifically because my mom she was going to college and she would have to take me with her sometimes so i could use the library to do internet research and to print stuff because uh, we didn't have one when we were at home but this was like a weird segment in my life but she would take me to the library and i would play telnet games where it was like an RPG-based game where you would go north, south, east, west, and there was a pre-based map loaded into this text game where you had to completely use your your imagination and you had to fight. And if you died, you had to remember how many times you went west, how many times you went east, north, south, like to find your body to get your stuff back so you could level up. And it's like you had to fight rats and be like, all right, hit, all right, miss, hit, hit. Hit points, zero, run, <laughs> left, west, west, west. Was that the one on like a black screen with like white text? Yeah, it was just text, so, straight text. So I remember when we were in middle school, I was in journalism newspaper and there was a girl in our class that was playing it. And I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, I'm playing this game. And I was like, that's dumb. But now, never should have criticized her. <laughs> if I could remember what the website was, because it was like under Telnet. Command from yeah, you had to. It was Telnet Libros or something like, like that. Back internet type stuff. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I think, but yeah, you you kind of pointed to something I talked about in the session zero of just people not being able to recognize that. You know, we obviously we grew up together, so we knew what each other liked. But there was a lot of people, you know, especially where we grew up. I was one of five black kids, give or take. And, you know, it was always like, oh, yeah, well, you got to like hip hop. You got to play football. Aren't you good at basketball and all this stuff? And in the meantime, you know, I'm going home and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to fucking be Goku and, you know, and just play all this stuff. And I've always read fantasy fiction. Like, I've always been a big reader of that. So all the magic and spells and castles and swords like even now when my wife goes to buy a book for me she just looks to see like does this book have a map in the front i'm gonna buy it like, yeah it has a world i'm gonna i'm gonna make yeah. sure he likes, like, that he likes world. books with maps that's how that works out so and i mean that you know that's really it but my biggest thing when i was a kid i mean it just wasn't cool to be a nerd and so we just hid that about ourselves in a lot of ways i know i did myself personally where you kind of gauge that conversation, you know, like, yeah, this person's way too cool to talk about the intricacies of Batman's life. You know what I mean? Like, we can't have this conversation. Or now, you know, of like, mm, yeah, if I start talking about like, you rolled a natural 20 on that charisma check, they're either not going to know what I'm talking about or know enough to know I'm a fucking nerd. Well, it's like the opposite for me. So that's my secret nerd journey is like, everybody else not realizing that i'm into these things because at when we went to the school the same school together 
I would have classes with people and I would have like my Yu-Gi-Oh cards and my Pokemon cards and my Magic the Gathering cards with me to play during lunch or sometimes in, in classes with other people. But I wasn't in like their cliques. So when I went to the library to go hang out and play these cards, I'd be like, all right, friends, I'm going to go see you later. I'm going to go to the library. And they're like, what the hell are you going to go do in the library? I'm going to go play some games with my friends. And they're like, there's games in there? I'm like, no, 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 you wouldn't like it, but I'm going to go do this. And then like, like my girlfriend now, she's went to school with me and was like, I can't see you doing this stuff with your friends because you seem like the cool guy and that was too cool to do this stuff. Like, no, I was an open nerd. Like, if you ever asked me, I would, like, talk to anybody yeah. nerdy. I didn't really care whether or not they were going to be okay with it. I was going to do it anyway. Even now at work, like, I play work in a place where it's a whole bunch of blue-collar stuff. And I went today to go buy you a dice roller with one of my worker friends. And he's like, this place is weird. And I said, yeah, people are a little weird here, you know. So you'll get used to yeah. it. But I'm going to buy this dice roller, and I'm not going to think twice of it. And I took it in there, and there's, like, a girl that works there and she's like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, Oh, it's a dice roll, you know, for my best friend who's going to roll some dice. So it catches his ass. And she's like, that's weird. But I don't ever think like, yeah, that's weird. I just think this is what I'm into. Check it out. And then just like Ryan, the guy I work with, he's like, loves that kind of stuff. He's way into it. And so if I bring it up, he's like, Oh yeah, don't, don't tell him. Cause I'm, it's, you're going to make me, you're giving me the itch. I'm going to go into it. I'm going to go into it. Yeah. So it's like weird how some people see that, but I just am completely oblivious. Yeah. And I think to, yeah, similarly in that sense, um, and I definitely now more as an adult, I don't really care. Like 33, I'm married. We're going on 10 years. I don't have to worry about impressing anybody, but I think it's still more of that programming of my early life of just like, don't make people uncomfortable you know what i mean and you had that stigma more because you were a minority yeah for sure i was a minority in a majority area so like mostly because i'm brown like there was a lot more brown people around so yeah. it was like yeah i didn't have to try to fit in with any of it everybody was different yeah. yeah but i mean you know i mean because we grew up and people would be like oh like literally tell me like oh well you're black this is what you have to be this is the way you have to talk this is the things you have to like. And because a lot of times I didn't, it was like, oh, well, you're whitewashed or you're not even black or whatever it was. So it's just a whole other thing of people imposing their idea of what I should be onto me and me not having a choice and having to find my own voice in that conversation to say like, nah, go fuck yourself. Um, but it took a while because especially when I was younger, like, I, growing up, I wanted to be the smartest and have friends. And those two things conflicted a lot. And I wasn't always good at navigating how to not be an asshole. Like, I'm smarter than everybody else. Right. And, and I wasn't always smarter than everybody else. But at the time, when I was a kid, I was like, if you aren't, believe you are, figure it out, become smarter. And also have friends. And it just, it just didn't work a lot of times. <laughs> and, and so it was hard. And, and I think having to walk that line made it, like I said, it's, it creates programming. So now as an adult, even I'm still very conscious of how people perceive me. And so, I mean, I work in a building with a lot of women on the floor that I work with and I'm, primarily the only male there in a lot of times and it's just like smile look non-threatening you know what i mean like but i'm a big dude like i can't i can only do so much um but and i'm sure people think like oh he's trying to flirt or whatever like no i'm just trying to make sure you don't think that i'm gonna like steal your purse in the elevator yeah. which is a yeah. shitty thing to have to live with let me walk you to your car and be your bodyguard yeah. because that's how you think of me. No, because they think of me as like the criminal who's going to do it. Or whether or not they do, I am conscious that that's a possibility. And so I automatically do everything I can to diffuse that idea. But, I mean, it is what it is. Unfortunately, there's just only so much we can do to help people change. I 
just try not to be intimidating as much as possible. But I also have, you know, this dad bod now, but when I was much younger, I was more, way more physically fit. And my thing was like, yeah, we have all these nerds who love Superman, Batman, Dragon Ball Z, whatever. I wish I could be that. And I was like, how do I look like that? You know what I mean? Uh, I don't feel like I've ever achieved it, but I've, but I've never been that, you know, prototypical idea of what people would say a nerd looks like or used to look like, you know what I mean? Yeah. In high school, that was me. Like I didn't look like a nerd at all. I was in decent shape. I wrestled, I played sports. I did all this other stuff. And in the background, I was playing all these games and doing all this stuff and being like, no, I don't want to go drink. No, I don't want to go party. No, I just want to stay home and hang out and download music (laughs) and do, do stupid things. And then as I got older, I don't know what it is. I think just getting kind of chunkier and chunkier made me less threatening to people because now it's like I never have that problem like or no I don't think about it but most women and even men find me extremely unfriendly <laughs> like to the to the point where I'll be like hey man shut up or I'll stop talking trash or I'll kick your ass and they're like yeah haha, funny okay and I'm like no no for real man you shouldn't yeah. say that yeah. don't say that word don't don't call somebody that we really need to work on this and then they're like yeah 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 haha, you're funny like oh man I'm not threatening enough. It's uh, it's tough, you know, and, and I mean, it is all perception. And that's the biggest thing, I think, um, you know, big one big reason why I wanted to make the podcast and, you know, talk about this stuff is because I think there's a lot of people that are like us that are just, we're two people that grew up together, friends for 20 plus years, but we have different life paths. We have different perspectives on how things are. Um, and there's this thing that we share, a lot of the things that we share that we just love. And I think now we're older, where it's easier for us to accept it and not care. But I think there's still a lot of people that do care. I mean, we're just literally talking to our wives about it. And, and, yeah. and even still, I'll talk to people who are like, oh, I've always wanted to try. It looked cool. Like I saw it on Community or Stranger Things, but I don't know. Like that's that's very like and and it really is like for a lot of people it's kind of like that's the nerdiest thing you can do i actually heard on a podcast i forget which one it is but they said like well now there's larping so it's not the nerdiest thing you can do anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would be caught dead larping yeah i probably would i would hope i would hope to larp go to medieval times i would do it for my kids i will say that if my, like, I mean, my kids, I act a fool for my kids. We're I don't not, care. We're just not playing Quidditch, man. I can't wow. do that. No, no live Quidditch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a little too far. I, but, and, and nothing against it. It's just not my thing. But I think that there's, um, but yeah, I mean, it's still that mental block, that programming that we have that tells us, eh, that's not cool. And it's like, whatever makes you happy, man. Like, if that's your thing, then. Have fun. They're having more fun than the people who are stifling themselves and trying to just fit into everyone's other, you know, idea of who they are. One of those things growing up is like video games. I've always been into video games since like the beginning of the creation of video games in my world. I've taken that with me everywhere growing up. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be part of my life. I will always be a gamer. But talking to other people they're like why do you play video games it's like well why do you sit there and watch a tv show 50 times it's never going to change but if i play this video game i can change it every time i play it and i mean if i'm playing skyrim it's always going to devolve into being a sneak attack character because it's max damage but i mean you could try to be a mage and have fun that way but it's i've even used mods to have like max destructive magic like Without having yeah. to practice it? Just like, it? Yes. Right, I'm the baddest mage. And then I'll walk into a cave and I immediately crouch, pull out my bow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have to. That's just Skyrim. That's what it yeah. devolved into. And I always wanted to do the same thing because I'm like, you know what? This time I'm not going to be a bruiser. I'm not going to go for the black uh, Draco armor or whatever it was. But every single time I'm like, it's got the best stats. So I got to get it, you know? And then I'd be a mage and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to use mage armor. And then I start getting my ass beat and I'd be like, you know what, this, this game, you just gotta, you gotta be yeah. a rogue. You gotta. <laughs> I know I've definitely, I've tried, I'm, like, right, I'm going to play 
holding uh, two-handed weapons, you know, heavy attacks. I'm going to go axe. And I'm like, ah, but the great sword looks cooler. <laughs> and then and then it turns into like, well, I'm not really defending myself. Like, how do people fucking play this game and survive using two-handed weapons? And there, I mean, you can. It's just harder. You have to change your play style. But my, my play style is just not that. Even the first time I played d I'm like, oh, yeah, Ranger, that's my shit. You know, and then we started playing it again. And I'm like, Ranger, that's my shit. I was going to be a monk, but then we switched up the campaign. But yeah, yeah. well, the first time whenever you introduced D&D to me, I wanted to be a shapeshifter because I thought that was, I've always thought that that was the coolest thing in the world. And maybe it's like, like morph from X-Men. Yeah. And remember I made the, the character we were going to be Rain yeah. and you were going to be like a lichen. Uh, uh, yeah. Like uh, character, like shifter. Yeah, and I was just like a morphling or it was I can't a changeling. Even what the class was. Changeling. changeling. That's uh, what this it was. is the yeah. D&D 3.5. So, third edition halved because they changed some things. Was it fourth edition? Came? Fourth edition well, came out and they didn't no, like it. No, third edition right? happened. Yeah, I think it might have been. And then fourth edition came out and like, we're not doing that. And then Pathfinder yeah, was made. And then 3.5. And Pathfinder were kind of brother and sister in terms of genetic coding. So, yeah, I mean, it was still like very rulesy, and but there's a lot of stuff. But you had like feet trees, so you had to know, all right, if this is where I want to get, I have to do this feet, this feet, this feet, this feet. And Pathfinder first edition is very much like that. Second edition, I don't think there are a lot of prerequisites. You kind of follow a path, but there's some more options it's a little more loosey-goosey yeah but we played 3.5 the first time and we actually played a session of fourth edition before we moved uh we we lived in a different state and uh we played with some some older guys that uh, miguel had worked with who kind of introduced us and so this so ranger that was my thing i wanted to play as i was a shifter ranger shifters were kind of like like a werewolf but you were kind of half human half werewolf at the same time so and you had the ability to smell things and to track that way and it just all of it really added up for me of making this badass ranger there was a game a tabletop game that i can't remember the name of maybe somebody who's listening one of these days will tell us what it was but it had little miniatures and i was getting into that game real bad it had little warhammer kind of like warhammer but it was a game that expired or like it's it's not popular at all and it's like really retro i'm trying to look it up now but i can't freaking remember what it is but i had like stuff and i remember that being really popular and getting me back into my nerdage but that's from like 2006 2007 the next time i had like a real nerd party or getting back into something like that was probably now other than like Magic the Gathering stuff, which I played with coworkers, or going to like um Friday night get ga- uh, Friday night Magic and playing a couple of those, and then just being like, this is pretty cool, but not my cup of tea because these people were real hardcore into it, and I was like, I just want to have fun, like I want to play draft with somebody, and that's where like you get a bunch of packs of cards, and each person opens one pack, you take like one card out of it, and then you pass it on. Well, people were going there to min max to try and grab the best cards the most expensive ones to try and make profit out of it and i'm sitting there getting like the crappy cards and i'm like oh man you know i can make something really fun out of this made fun of this and people were just taking all the good cards like making the worst deck losing out the night and then just okay well i made profit out of it because i got all the mythics or i got all the rares and it's just like man some people really know how to ruin hobbies and then get out of it again and then just get back dragged back in and in the campaigns that we tried to start the first time i was so excited to play and we never got to plan. I really just want to go back one of these days and just like see if people want to campaign again. And I'll make my fur bolt through it again and be like, oh, oh this yeah. is going to be awesome. Because you were going to play a Goliath. Yeah, a Goliath monk. Yeah. And so our very first game that we played when we lived in Kentucky and I was the ranger, you were a rogue. We had, he was a quiet dude. He was um, one of the friends of the DM, the dungeon master. And he, uh, quiet guy, he didn't really say a lot. And he created this monk and it was like a very unassuming monk. Like he like legitimately looked like, you know, friar tuck type of monk, like just wore a sack and had a staff. 
And I don't remember, like I tell this story and people who know D&D are like, wait a minute, you were what level and you fought a giant? I don't know. We were first or second level. We were low. We fought a giant. I do remember this specifically. And this monk literally like grappled the giant, took it to the ground, fucking ground and pound, and basically manhandled this thing by himself. Um, we didn't get to play that many sessions because we ended up moving uh, back to New Mexico. But that, when we first started talking to um, an old coworker of ours here about playing D&D again and him running in the game, um, that's when I was like, I'm playing a monk for sure. Um, and a lot of people hate monks. Um, and for the uninitiated, the people have a lot of problems with monks because you're talking about Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder. It's very much a fantasy-based game. So it's like, yeah, you're going to fight the dragon. You're going to shoot spells at it. You're going to pull out your magic sword or whatever and, and swing away, right? Chop its head off. And a monk comes into the game and is like, I'm going to punch the dragon. <laughs> and people are like, no, that's stupid. You're never going to punch a dragon. And it's like, well, no, like monks in the game are basically magical beings. like. It's a point yeah. where it's like, I know all are you able to show kicks and punches? I can't, yeah. I can't be hurt from falling because I just land on my feet. I walk up walls. <laughs> I can punch a ghost. And so it's a cool premise if you're willing to let go of those initial fantasy fiction biases. And I loved it. And I'm like, what better than a seven foot six half giant doing Muay Thai in Wing Chun? Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of people's like mental blocks come into play too. Is like they can't imagine something not happening in reality. So I think just like we were talking to our girlfriends and you were talking to your wife earlier, like I want to ride a unicorn. It's like, well, you could, but you're going to have to try to get this unicorn. It's like, well, no, I want to have it already. It's like, yeah, you can't just automatically start off with the highest level and be like, all right, I want to be able to cast Wish so I can get a unicorn. It's like, well, there's some sacrifices you're going to have to make in Wish. No. I don't want to do it. I think it's it's just one of those things like it's hard, uh, especially if you're somebody that's never been into this stuff, like not even into fantasy fiction really, like to say like, okay, well, what I know is I've watched Harry Potter and uh, let's say I watched the Witcher series on Netflix. And so it's like basic stuff, right? I've seen the Lord of the Rings trailer. So I have an idea of like, I want to do that thing. Yeah, I want to be Legolas or Gimli. <laughs> and through that, I think it's just like, okay, well, when we talk about it's a game where you can do anything we want. Like we're coming from it from a gamer's perspective of like when we play Skyrim, for instance, like you're still locked into the physics of the game. Whereas when you play D&D, it's like, okay, well, in Skyrim, you can never climb this wall. like. You don't have the ability to use rope and you can't do a climb check and blah, blah, blah. But in D&D, Pathfinder, all these games, it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do to do it? That's, it's a sheer wall. All right, well, I want to you know, attach this grappling hook to my bow and arrow, shoot the, tie it to a rope, shoot it over the wall, climb up the wall. All right, cool. Take your shot, you roll your dice, and you guys are moving. You know, There's just so much more freedom in that way. And if you're willing to kind of suspend disbelief and jump in to that idea, then it becomes pretty cool. Yeah, you should be able to make whatever you want within the realm. I think it's the rules maybe that kind of scare people because like we were just talking, there's rules for everything. There's rules that you got to have. You got to roll a dice. You got to hope that you get the best. And sometimes whenever you don't get the best rules, it's like, well, how can I make the best of this character with my intelligence being a seven it's like well i'm sure your d your dungeon master your your person that's leading the game isn't going to be like all right your character is completely garbage based on your roles let's go ahead and re-roll some of those together and see what we can come up with or coming up with like house rules and stuff like that but getting into the confidence because i'm not a very good role player myself like playing these role playing games is is intimidating to me because i can't make a character's voice anything other than my own like i'll make i'll try an accent but i'm not confident with my accents i've never been an actor or a thespian so how can i make my character me 
And I think it has to just do with me trying to be more creative in whatever my character is good or bad at. So with my warrior, my Amrak, I had him have two different types of weapons and kind of just be like this whirlwind of fury. And I was trying to give him a really awesome backstory. It was going to be kind of dark because it was a half orc whose dad had been in prison and was going to have some sort of allegiance to whoever we were going to go fight. And I was kind of wanting to see how that would end up, but that campaign fizzled out. Um, I'd like to see him come back in one of my future campaigns. And I just want to make better and I'm not confident in it. So maybe some people want to go out there and they want to try and be a halfling. And they're just like, well, how do I be a halfling? I'm not confident in making a small voice or a small character and getting out of your comfort zone is like a huge, huge problem for a lot of people. So I can see why they would be like, never going to be a halfling. You can't climb a wall and you can't do this. You can't, you can't, you can't. And you should be able to. And in the, in the games like this, you can, you're, it's all just your synergy. Cause you'll have bad groups too. Like you'll have bad groups that won't ever let you be who you want to be. And that's just the way it goes. But finding those groups is so much easier now. Cause I mean, there's like websites made to finding campaigns and one shots and you can find out whether or not you like these people and you want to invite them into your own campaign. I don't know. The world's out there to go get, go and get it and not be a sneaker nerd anymore. And if you want to be a sneaker nerd, then do it, but don't be afraid to join communities and don't be afraid to tell people like, Hey, you know, yeah, I'm on a, I'm in a discord with a bunch of people who like to tabletop RPG. And hopefully one of these days I'll be friends with some of them and we can get into some weird yeah. games yeah. and they can bring my characters more to life and see how somebody else would play this character and then maybe in another campaign, I'll play a character like that because I get inspired by amazing performances, like seeing your ranger hit three times in a row. And then I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. And then my druid can't smack anything because I'm rolling ones and twos. And I'm like, this game sucks. Is this I need new dice. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, and you know, and there's good nights and bad nights. And I think the biggest thing, the games... Like you said, it's a little bit intimidating and it definitely lends itself to people who have that, you know, theatrical or drama background. But even myself, like I was never into that personally, but I am very much a mimic. You've known this about me for a long time. I always, yeah, I can't help it. I like can't that. help it. I mimic the way people say things. I will just be walking down the street by myself and I'll say something out loud just to see how it sounds. And I don't necessarily mean to, cause I'm listening to it in my head and I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds pretty good. But then I'm like, well, how is this going to sound when you say it? Uh, and then I'll talk it out loud. And then I'm like, well, that was just like a random dumb thing to say. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when we first started playing the campaign you're talking about, you know, it was one of those things where I really wanted to play. I didn't, have the confidence to start my own campaign so we talked to our buddy and and we had uh, i talked to him and said hey look i want to play dnd i've never dm before he really hadn't either he just kind of did a quick uh, one shot for us basically yeah just to see if we would all play together well yeah but you know i was like all right the campaign setting kind of set you up and then you uh run the game and so we did and uh and he got some more people together. And that was the thing. You know, we it was three of us that knew each other, right? And then we ended up with an additional four people who you and I had never met before. And now in our campaign that I uh, run for you and our other friend, I mean, it's she was part of that group that we never knew. And now she's in our normal Pathfinder group. So, you know, it's pretty cool that way. But yeah, I mean, I started out in, you know, first campaign i don't think any of us were doing an accent and then uh the, well, the first game yeah and then the, and then the second game i was like you know what? i'm gonna try it like what do i have to lose we're all playing this game and so i started doing an accent for my character and then when i started running the game then it's like well okay well now you're all these npcs so you have to be something original yeah like so it uh it turned into okay um let me write down notes uh this person has a high voice with a british accent uh this person has a um low voice with a kind of growling accent and this person sounds like this and 
I'd make all these little notes. And so as you guys were going through the town, I was able to just, okay, you're talking to this person. This is how they sound. And then I could just go into that voice. Um, but we had a session where I did like eight different voices as you guys kind of went through this town. And I loved it. It was fun. And, you know, and then now we just get to experience in, in our Pathfinder campaign that we're, I'm running for you guys. Uh, we're in uh, Mwenge Expanse, which in the Pathfinder world is basically like the continent that is Africa. And uh, so that's been a lot of fun to to kind of play with those ideas. I've liked a lot of the stuff they're able to introduce into the stuff like that, like uh, building these worlds that are so immense and crazy. They can have different timelines and different structures to just sections of uh, the story. They have like, like one of the ones that we listen to a podcast where they're playing a campaign and it gets kind of intense how much information they know about the whole story because they played other campaigns and the one that we're in, like, I know there's a ton of story and there's a ton of background. Yeah. I'm like, Holy crap, this is so overwhelming. I'm going to have to do hours of research just to know what my character knows. But at the same time, if I don't have enough time, you know, like there's other people that know and can help. Like you'll be like, okay, here's some, here's a little bit what you can know. And then, I mean, and that's when in the game you just come to me as the GM and just say, Hey, does my character know this or what does my character know? And then I kind of give you that exposition so you're able to role play off of that. It really, the biggest, you know, big things about these games is the trust factor. You know, obviously you want to be able to trust the people you're in a room with. So you feel confident enough to, even if you're not doing a voice, feel confident so that you can go in and just have fun. And yeah, I'm not going to do a voice, but I'll still act out what my character's saying or... I will uh, talk with dramatic effect instead of just using an accent, but I'll emphasize yeah. something yeah. and just make sure. And it's, it's interesting too. Um, just like in the world that we live in, everybody's different and has their own, like, like if, if life was an RPG, like what would the USA have that Canada doesn't have as far as weapons or something like that. And everybody's played like something like risk or, stuff like that but D just takes it to that next level where the world you create is whatever yeah. you want yeah and it doesn't have to be the specific world you know they've created that wizard of the coast or paizo you know the the creators of DD and pathfinder in our campaign uh where i'm a ranger and uh miguel's a barbarian that was a world based on DD, the forgotten realms but it's a completely different land i mean none of the history is the same it's all different countries, different leaders, all that stuff. So, And it's not all fully developed. That's one of the things that you kind of do as you go along is you tell a cooperative story. So when my character says, oh, yeah, well, you know, in my character's culture, we do this thing. Then all of a sudden, that's how the thing goes in that specific culture. And it's up to the DM to tie that in to the game, you know, at some point and, and help build it out. Um, but I mean, there's cities on the map that I made that don't have a name. I have no, I know nothing about them. And then, and if we ever go back and play that campaign, we'll learn about it, you know? Um, yeah. COVID kind of got in the middle of a lot of that, but <laughs> yeah, I think that was one of the, the big things is just kind of, play what you want and then now in pathfinder you get to play druid which is something you wanted to do in uh, oh, our yeah. missed opportunity campaign we'll call it and i picked like, the worst time to do it i guess because there's a bunch of things on the forum that are like oh yeah the druids in pathfinder second edition are real terrible they're trying to fix them I'm like oh great well screw it we're already here might as well try and i don't think it, but I, don't think it's terrible. I think it's just learning how to do it and learning your play style and how does you make that character work for your play style. Yeah. yeah. And then like, uh, so growing up deficiencies in your life that make your characters like, cause everybody wants to min max, but I mean, is there any sort of motivation in your character creation that tells you, Hey, I want a big, strong dude. Cause I'm a big, strong dude. Or if I want to play, somebody could really beat some ass because you know i'm i'm a pretty big dude but i know in like 
stereotypes in like movies and stuff like that. It's always the little geeky guy who's always the big, huge dude. And even one of the more recent movies that came out, that Jumanji one, where like the skinny dude was the rock. And I'm like, man, they really went full tropes on this one, like normal. But like, I, I don't play skinny characters or tiny little ones because I want to be skinny or anything like that. I don't, I don't ever play those kind of characters, but I don't think about it either. In my own eyes, do you think about that kind of stuff whenever you're bringing a character into the game? To an extent, because I know that I've had like character bias of like, mm, I don't think I'll ever play a gnome because I don't want to be tiny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or even a halfling was like kind of a hard idea. And I'm like, well, if I play a halfling, like I was modeling after my son or something, but <laughs> which is silly, right? Because it's fucking make believe. Yeah. Like, who cares? Super strong. He's he's strong enough to pick you up and throw you. And it's like, man, this little two year old's really able to able to do that. But the stats, you know, how you stat it out is what really makes the character in the end. But I think it's I think it's one of those things. There's a lot of people that do self insert characters, and that's like basically who I am and how I feel that I translate onto paper for D and D is who I'm going to play. And that there's nothing wrong with that. Like if that's your jam, then that's your jam. But I think that there are a lot of people who like to explore different things. Um, and in a lot of ways it can work out of, you know, experiencing new things. Um, or you're just, how can I say? Basically it allows you to look at things from a different perspective, right? Cause if I'm, you know, big, a big strong dude. guy, and I never felt like I was confident in my intelligence. But I want to play a wizard, and now my character is the one that knows more than all the other characters, and has all the information on history, and is able to figure out these puzzles and stuff because of the way I'm rolling. It's a new perspective, a new feeling for that person that maybe never felt that way. And I talked about it in the session zero too, but. You know, there's a lot of people that play cross gender, right? So, yeah, um, like your first character was a girl. Yeah, Rain. Yes, yeah. Rain. Yeah, and was. you correct me if I'm wrong, but you play a lot of girls in video games too. Yeah. What do you think that? I mean, have you ever attributed that to a reason? Or no, 99% of the games I play, I never see my own character, so I don't ever think about it. But it's like, I don't know. It's just cooler to make something that i'm not because i'm used to like making a dude and everything because i am a dude in life so i'm just like well you know i, I want to play something weird or something out of the out of the ordinary and i want to make something where but, can you imagine being a female witcher and just being like oh yeah i'm just gonna but yeah i mean that's a whole other thing too like i think it just depends too on how your game is ran right because you could go through a game of D and your character's a girl, but probably never have to experience anything from a girl's perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If your DM never puts that situation forward and, you know, it's just one of those things like we had that conversation early on of, hey, you guys, what are we comfortable with? What are we not comfortable with? Yeah, getting your no-go zones and stuff like yeah. that. What, what can we do? Like, I want to make a really cool tragic backstory, but I don't want to make anybody super uncomfortable and not want right. to play. And I think, you know, so there is a Witcher tabletop RPG, not just the video games. The video games are amazing. The RPG looks amazing. Um, I haven't got a chance to play it yet, but I've been reading through it. But the world of the Witcher has a lot of that stuff of like the elves and the dwarves are basically black people in America. <laughs> and, like, and, and, but in a worse <laughs> sense of just like, you're not accepted. You're like, yeah. not even tolerated in most places. You're treated like a criminal. And if you're in the town, if you're in, if you're quote unquote tolerated, you're in a ghetto and you know, this is the way it is. And not every person in the world feels that way, but there are these societies that are built around. And there's even like a table that says like, look in this place, you're not going to have a good time. Um, and then, so as you're playing the game, if you decide, I'm going to be a dwarf, racism be damned. And it's like, okay, cool. But now as this dwarf, you're going to experience what this is like, at least to some degree, right? Yeah. 
you know, hopefully yeah. your DM doesn't like completely ruin your life, but there is that aspect of like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm not going to sit here just spewing racial slurs at you because that's uncomfortable for everybody. But you notice that people are staring at you. You um, notice that things cost more for you because people just kind of want to get rid of you, whatever it is. So it, it's one of those things. It, it allows people to have the ability to kind of go through those experiences if they choose to do that. And you can also completely avoid them too if you're right. never really Absolutely. comfortable right. by yeah. not choosing I mean, those. nobody, there's no rule that says you have to have a game that's filled with you know, a lot of that conflict, it can just be like, Hey guys, you know, let's just have some lighthearted fun. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it all depends on what kind of game you want to play, but there are those opportunities. I'll just say that can be there. If you have the right kind of learning experiences, if you want to yeah. have them, or if you want to really try to, to play deep into something. Is there uh is there a class in D and D or Pathfinder that you still want to play that maybe you you want to play it but you're kind of intimidated to play it uh mostly the casters holy moly man those things are like it's cool to be like oh you know what i'm gonna be a mage and i'm gonna do all this stuff but then you have to like pick your school and you have to be like everything you, you have to be so spells. intricate and <laughs> first yeah and it's like okay well what spells do you want to take today and it's like oh well thought I just had like two spells. And when you're first starting, it's like, all right, level one wizard, two cantrips. Hmm. This sucks. And then like, I hear about high level plan. I'm like, you know what? If that wizard could live that long, that would be cool. But it's like, he ain't going to live unless he has a ton of spells for somebody to really save his ass. Cause he gets hit once and it's like, he's dead. Yeah. I, I mean, D and D and Pathfinder are games that are not necessarily made to solo actually i think pathfinder 2e i honestly believe because we were going to do it before yeah. priest yeah. entered but um before our friend oh, we were going to yeah, try yeah. it yeah. yeah before she entered we were going to try to just run it like a superhero campaign basically yeah and i was just gonna let you be a couple levels higher even dual class if you wanted to um yeah just so you wouldn't die but i still even in that instance i still think you have to have a specific class to do it or a, a specific few right like but wizard is one of those like no matter how you powerful you are if you get ganged up on by dudes to swords that are able to get in close enough to you you're gonna die you just don't have enough hit points you don't have enough armor you know so yeah it's so, it's, it's balanced it's, but it's, it really it's like yeah like, okay cool you could throw a fireball but maybe not all those guys die from the fireball so you really have to kind of balance it out. I think it's it's one of those things that it would be interesting to see. But I think like a fighter could do it. I think a barbarian could do it. Oh yeah, cleric or not a cleric? Uh, a paladin. paladin could do it. A cleric actually might be able to. So to maybe. I, I mean, it depends on how you build it. But sorcerer probably not. Even a druid might have a hard time. A rogue honestly might have a hard time unless you're building a campaign around specifically sneaking in. Like if your whole campaign is like sneak into this castle, steal this shit, get out, right? And you're spending your time working through that or breaking out of jail, whatever. I mean, that could be a fun campaign, but yeah, one that's just filled with puzzles. Right. But if there's any fighting, how is a rogue ever going to do anything? Because they need to be able to flank, they need to be able to sneak attack. Yeah. Like, it's going to be great the first round. He's going to come up and he's doing like a ton of damage. But then the second that that guy turns around to fight him, it's like, whoa, you didn't yeah. die? Sorry, After my me. first attack that uh, you didn't see, everything else sucks. So, yeah. yeah. I totally <laughs> missed and yeah. smoke bomb Batman yeah. out of here. So, but saying that, basically, like you were talking about the wizards, wizards are built in those games to balance around group of players so it's like yes we're gonna have a wizard but hopefully we'll have a fighter barbarian some kind of tank that can protect the wizard because early on that's going to be important to keep them alive whereas later on they're still going to be keeping them alive but the wizard's going to be doing so much damage 
it's yeah. going to be completely unfair to the and they're buffing yeah. like yeah. a lot of people don't think about like in the beginning you can't really do a lot of buffs because you have like your spells that you're going to need for the entire day and, and you're hoping that you're not going to go through a dungeon crawl at level one because you only have two spells that entire day and it's like in the first fight you use them both and then it's like well wizard you're just going to stand there the rest <laughs> until we get to yeah. a spot where you can rest you're gonna knock them with like acid splash left and right for any uh <laughs> new players out there or anybody you know maybe one day this actually works and we create some new players um at least pick a couple offensive cantrips um miguel's being a little bit hyperbolic i think you get like four or five depending on which game you're playing yeah but your it's cantrips but the cantrips are just like they're they're not made to be they're made to be like emergency use only but they're like really good for very beginning but then they start getting worse and worse and that's what they're supposed to do they're supposed to be filler for whenever you're leveling well, up some of us and a lot of some of it is utility of like a message spell right so you can do message over and over and over and over all day uh and basically say your little message to somebody telepathically other ones actually scale with you as you level up um and those are ones you want to just look at and it'll tell you like at level three or whatever this goes up and and you get an extra die to throw but yeah and that's for literally that moment when you're like okay well i ran out of spells so firebolt it is and i hope i'm not on the <laughs> fire elemental plane <laughs> yeah but and it, it's fun kind of being put in those situations, too. Um, having to think and plan ahead. Well, that's what makes you nervous about playing those kinds of classes. Because I'm just like, well, you never know. Like, it could be anything in this cave. It could even be a yeah. boat. And I mean, so in our campaign that I'm running for you and our other friend in Pathfinder, you guys just did a little bit of a dungeon crawl. It lasted, what, three and a half or four sessions, yeah. right? Yeah. Give or take. No rest, and you guys made it through. You survived. The closest thing to kill you was probably the jumping across uh, cavernous expanses and trying not to fall into oh, yeah. the, the abyss. My goodness. Jumping and climbing is like the hardest thing to do in the world when you're not high level. Yeah. And it shouldn't have been that hard. My goodness. But, you know, you get some bad rolls. But I, I honestly, I mean, I feel from the GM perspective, that was fun. Like watching you guys like, shit, all right, how do we nerve yeah. wreck? And it's like, okay, you, you slipped. What are you going to do to help? And then it's like, all right, try to pull. Now the rocks are starting to crumble and yeah. everything started to fall apart. And then we have to go another way around. And this is terrible. This is the worst experience we could have possibly had in this dungeon. <laughs> And it wasn't even like, I mean, we could have got our, our butts kicked really bad. Because in this campaign, uh, specifically, me and one other person are playing it, and we are not healer classes or even fighting classes. We're both hybrid classes. So I'm, I'm a druid, and, and she's an alchemist. And it's just, you don't realize how hard it is just playing a hybrid class. Because you can be good at both, and you eventually will be stellar at both. But in like the earlier levels, you're like, nope, this isn't going well. You miss one attack, and you're like, oh, here's 16 points of damage, and they crit. And you're like, no, <laughs> I only have 30 hit points. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, though. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that aspect of like, okay, yes, I'm good at this one thing, but I can't use this one thing in this specific instance. So how do I find a creative way to solve this problem or to defeat this enemy or whatever. And there have been a lot of times where you guys have done stuff that I didn't expect that ended up in you making the encounter easier, essentially. You know, we started out, you were in a an enemy encampment. You had oh, to yeah. break her out of this little jail cell. Uh, you had an NPC with you. You guys snuck in at night because it's like, well, they're sleeping. As you're sneaking out, they're all waking up, but yeah, you know, they're not sleeping in their armor. So now you're fighting yeah. eight unarmored and unarmed enemies. So you're, I think they were armed. They still had their weapons, but, but yeah, but it, it was a much easier combat. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. Those chain lightnings really came right. in handy yeah. too, or whatever the yeah. spark yeah, yeah, was yeah, that yeah. I was using. They hit more than Electric one person. Arc, exactly. I was just like, um, but yeah. yeah, so I mean that doing those things helped kind of balance it out. Um, and even in this dungeon, you guys ended up taking kind of too long and going away about it that you ended up not defeating two enemies initially and they ran into a room and locked themselves in. Oh, and yeah. when you screwed up a puzzle kind of to lift the curtain a little bit, you screwed up a puzzle that unleashed a trap into the room that they were trapped in. And all of a sudden they're in this middle of this combat. So you guys just kind of watch the combat play out and then sweep up after it's done. <laughs> yeah. We accidentally like, cause we were like, Oh, you know, we could figure out this puzzle. It's real easy. We didn't think about consequences <laughs> at the time because we're just like, just like the, the explorers, if we were out there, we're like, you know what? This looks pretty cool. I'm going to pick it up and then not realize that it's like a rock covered in poison oak or poison ivy. And they're like, well, crap. Like, that's the kind of stuff that we are doing. And you don't think about it when, when you're not actually there. It's harder to put yourself there. But you're like, I really want to know what this does. So you do it with your character. And you don't realize how dangerous. Like, something that simple could be like, oh, I'm dead? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm incapacitated? Shove this health potion down my throat. And it's like... If I was actually there, I wouldn't forget any of my abilities or spells. Like, I'm a druid, and I've only shapeshifted like three times. I'm like, man, I should really be using this if that's what my form's going to be. But I constantly forget, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't need to. This will be better. I'm like, I could do something else. Or, or what if I need to heal? I can't heal while I'm in an animal form, and then I can't go back into animal form. I'm like, oh, crap. But... Yeah, if it was like real life, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely turning into this gorilla or this ape so I can fight this dude because it's so much easier. Like, man, you got to think about those things and really put yourself in it. And if you aren't submerged or submersed, then you miss out on just a little bit of things. Or if you memorize your character sheet and you have like a special ability that tells you, oh, yeah, if you do X, Y happens. It's like, oh, yeah, I did X. Three, three rounds ago, I should have actually retroactively gotten this. It's like, well, you know, hands off the chess piece. Can't yeah. do that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely tough. And I think, um, well, I shouldn't say it's tough. There can be times that it's tough, but honestly, it's just so much fun. That's the biggest takeaway. Like, I love watching it unfold and just being like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is about to happen. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I mean, it really just... Um, you can get so much out of it and we have a blast playing, you know, and it just, it, it makes for a great weekend night every time we get together. I think the biggest one, I, I definitely am a little bit intimidated by playing a wizard or a sorcerer, but my, the one class that intimidates me the most is bard. And it's not that it's a difficult class. It's just that for me, because I sing and, and and I do all these voices. I'm like, if you're gonna play a bard, you're gonna fucking play a bard. And like, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, I just I, get into it. I made that mistake. <laughs> I made that mistake of being a bard, and I'm like, oh man, I gotta do performances, and I gotta sing, and I gotta dance. Yeah. And, like, and you oh, don't. And I'm you just don't. bad at that. No, but it 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 brings it in because I mean, what kind of good bard? I'm a terrible bard anyway. And it's just like, oh yeah, I should be singing to do this spell. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, ooh, I'm just going to shake my shillelagh and see what it, yeah. if it works. And you're like, all right, that works. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just think I put all of this like unnecessary pressure on myself to be like, if you play a bard, you got to go full force. So one day I'll get there. Um, maybe if we ever create a Patreon one day, I'll make it a stretch goal or some shit. But I, I, uh, yeah. Could you imagine? I can't even imagine, first of all, getting to the point where people care, care that much. So if you guys end up caring that much, uh, it will be great. And I will 100% appreciate it. Definitely make one of the goals to play our uh, max level oh, yeah. uh, arena. Because oh, yeah. a lot of campaigns have always fizzle out to never get their fully, uh, fully leveled up know, guys with yeah. gear and stuff like I that. I mean, even... And a lot of these adventure paths that are made, they usually end around like level 17, you know, and a lot of the big, bigger podcasts, um, ten, uh, at least that I've seen don't make it to level 20. It's kind of crazy, but I think it would be fun. I really want to do a D and D fifth edition level 20 fighter 
versus a Pathfinder second edition level no. 17 hero or what, what is the thing after mythic oh, levels on, yeah, or do they actually go to 20. 20 they do go to level 20 but now we're kind of getting into advanced level stuff i think uh well that's probably we're going to stop it there for tonight yeah thank you all for listening and check in with us next week thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed the show If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show, and if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing. 